Welcome to Midtown Conversations. My name is Matt Rappold, and thank you so much for joining us here today. What does the word home mean to one of the founders of a settlement for those experiencing homelessness? Today, we are happy to welcome Jeff Wilmer to our holiday broadcast. Jeff is one of the founders of A Better Tent City, which provides one-room cabins to people experiencing homelessness in Waterloo Region. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. So for those who may not have heard of A Better Tent City before this broadcast, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the project and maybe paint a picture? Uh, what would someone experience if they were to visit A Better Tent City? Yeah, so the, the first impression that people get when they see A Better Tent City is it is a, it's a cluster of tiny homes. Uh, we now have over 40 sleeping cabins, I guess is the way some people describe them. They're eight foot by 10 foot cabins. And each one is a house for a person who used to be homeless and unsheltered. But our, our community provides a lot more than just a basic shelter. Um, it has really become community. The, the residents themselves, there's now 50 people living at a better tent city. They've become like a family to each other and, and with the volunteers as well. And uh, so, yeah, we were pleased to be able to provide them with, with basic services so that they've got you know, to toilets and a, and a garbage, to, a garbage place to put their garbage, showers, laundry, kitchen, those type of facilities are all part of what makes it uh, a, a, an effective community. And so I'm envisioning sort of, uh, you know, like you said, like a little community there with different, uh, different cabins. And it, it really does like the way you paint a picture of it, it does really sound like a nice community uh, to be a part of. You and the late entrepreneur Ron Doyle founded A Better Tent City in spring of 2020. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the idea for this settlement came to be? Sure. Yeah, Ron Doyle approached me with an idea a little over two years ago, so late 2019. Uh, he said, you know, when I look around the, the downtown part of our community, I see people who are living rough. They're living in the streets. They're huddled in a doorway trying to stay out of the wind or rain, or they're in a back alley or I sometimes see them uh, you know, in, in a park or at the side of the highway, surely we can do something for them. And he had an idea of using shipping containers and modifying them to make tiny homes. So we started kicking ideas around and um, eventually settled on the idea of, of garden sheds um, and converting them uh, into tiny homes. So, so Ron's inspiration was really the very beginning of it, but, in those early days, we also met Nadine Green, and Nadine was running um, a convenience store in downtown Kitchener. And after hours, she would open up the store so that people uh, living unsheltered could come in and have a warm, dry place to spend the night. And so she essentially started a pop-up shelter and had about 20 people living in her store for, for many, many months. And um, so I think Nadine helped our inspiration to take shape because we started to meet the people and connect their the real faces and names to the reality of, of folks living rough. Um, so eventually Ron made his property on Ardelt Place available. And uh, in the earliest days, people were living in nylon tents indoors, but pretty soon after that, we had uh, started to do some modest fundraising and, and bought our first dozen cabins and a better tent city started to take shape. But the image of it really is 
those those uh, cabins all paint each one painted a different color and each one with you know with nice looking windows and doors on it and and the residents started to build front verandas and put hanging baskets out so it really did look like a, a welcoming community that's beautiful so that property with on Ardelt Place that people might know that property more commonly as lot forty two right that's right uh, lot forty two was a, a another one of the many brainchilds of of uh, Ron Doyle, uh, and as an event space in the first month of COVID, there were no events. And so he thought, I've got this empty space. Nobody's using it. Doesn't look like there's going to be events for a long time. Um, and so why don't we just make it available? So, so um, yeah, it was COVID actually helped launch this more quickly than we had been intending. That's interesting that you bring up that idea that COVID would sort of help speed the process up because I was just about to ask you, it seems like you know, uh, this idea coming out in the spring of 2020, late 2019, what were some of the challenges for it? But can you maybe talk about the impacts, positive and, and negative of the pandemic on the project? So, yeah, I think it was actually mostly positive in terms of the outcome. Certainly the process was challenging, but I think what happened was the traditional shelter system clearly was not going to work. You couldn't have six people bunking in a room or, you know, 50 or 60 people on on mats on a gym floor that was not going to work in in covid and so everybody switched gears and looked for different ways to do things and and a number of different approaches were were uh, implemented here in waterloo region um the house of friendship operated the uh, a shelter in the inn of waterloo and hotel rooms the working center operated and still operates um, uh, a new form of housing or shelter at a student dorm on University Avenue. So, you know, hundreds of people were accommodated in private or semi-private um, accommodation with services, including uh, healthcare delivered right on site. But it's, we realized that it's not a one size fits all. And so there were still people left out that couldn't use those facilities or had been restricted from using them. And so a better tent city tends to be a place where people can can settle in and be part of the community, even if they're not able to use other forms of shelter. Yeah, and can you maybe talk a little bit about who is using a better tent city? What are the types of people who'd be coming into that community? Yeah, so so the, there are 50 people at a better tent city and they tend to be people who either can't or won't use the shelter system. And there are a, a lot of different reasons for that. Um, quite often it, re it relates to mental illness and or drug addiction, quite often both, where their, uh, their behavior, their conduct means that they're too disruptive to, to uh, be uh, a welcome part of the shelter system. They're disruptive to the other occupants. And so they end up becoming restricted from using a shelter. Uh, so that's, that's a, quite a common reason. There are other people uh, who are, are couples that don't want to be separated from each other. So if there's a men's shelter where women aren't able to go or women's shelter where men aren't able to go, uh, we were open to that. And, and uh, so quite a number of couples ended up at a better tent city. And there are people with pets that they can take their pet with them, but that's their, you know, their closest companion. Um, and so they really relied on that for emotional support and companionship. And so we had a few people with dogs. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a diverse community. And people, there's different reasons why people benefited from or needed a different alternative like this, but um, it's been a it's been a great experience for 
those of us as volunteers have been part of it and uh, we are learning as we go. For sure. Now you mentioned that COVID was mostly maybe a positive for the creation of a better tent city. And it is nice to hear uh, the silver lining because we don't hear very many of those uh, these days. Um, but I do want to talk about one of the challenges you have faced, which is the move that uh, a better tent city has done from lot 42, I think now to, uh, is it a snow site on Battler Road? We've, we've moved again since then. So we, are, okay. we have had three different homes this calendar year alone. So we, we started the year at lot 42. Uh, the city of, so we had to leave there by the end of June. The city of Kitchener stepped up in a big way and made available its snow dump site for the summer months. Uh, we knew from the beginning it was going to be an interim property, but we were able to move there in June and stay through to the end of October. Um, but as a snow dump, it's needed in the winter months. And so we had to move again by the end of October. Um, and the property we're on now is back on Ardelt. We're now on Ardelt Avenue. Um, and it's a piece of property, so essentially a, a, a grassy area, a lawn, that part of it is owned by the city of Kitchener and part of it is owned by the, the public school board as part of their administrative offices. So um, we, we started moving there at the end of October. The residents moved in the same day that, that we left the Battler Road snow dump site. Um, but it has been a bit of a work in progress to get um, first. The first priority was was temporary electricity so that the heaters, the, the radiators would work at night. So we have a generator. Um, the second priority was to get a permanent electrical supply. So we didn't need to rent the generator anymore. That's now done. And we're well on the way now to having the water and sanitary sewer services hooked up um, so that we can get proper washroom facilities. And right now we're relying on portable toilets. Okay, well, I'm happy to hear that you found another home and that, uh, you know, people, these pieces of property are sort of being made available for, for a better tent city. But I'm thinking like, you know, I've moved a number of times and most people find moves like that, moving a home to be a really very challenging experience. You're moving into a different space. And I imagine moving a better tent city for the people who are part of that community, it would be a similar experience. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about the struggles with the move? And also, why is it hard to find a permanent location for a better tent city? Yeah, so, so first of all, regarding the struggles, I think what we found was in the anticipation of the first move, there was some uh, trepidation and uneasiness on, on the part of the residents. They, these are people who had finally become settled after living a life of isolation and, and perpetually trespassing and hoping you don't get caught. And so what they had at a better tent city was some stability and the threat of losing that really was worrisome to the residents. Once we settled at Battler Road though, um, they, they settled in and, and they and we all started to appreciate that the community of people was the most important element. It wasn't so much the location or even the tiny homes or the facilities. It was those 50 people staying together as a community and so in the lead up to the October move, they were not worried at all because they knew that we would land somewhere and that, <clears throat> that, that they would have each other as, as their community of support. So it was, it was quite noticeable, the difference uh, among the residents. But your, your other question, Matt, was about, you know, how difficult is it to find a property and why is it we need to keep moving um, it is challenging. I, I know from the earliest days when we talked about this as a concept, 
lots of people like the concept, but the question came up, where are you going to put this? Where is it going to be an appropriate site compatible with its neighbors and with adequate to good services, adequate access to services? And, and so we, uh, we have struggled with that, but we have found that being in an industrial area seems to work for the residents and for the community. <clears throat> Not having any, any immediate residential neighbors seems to be a positive. And finding a landlord, in this case, the city of Kitchener and the school board, that's willing to make their land available is a is a an important factor and, and not easily found either. Great. And Jeff, I have two more questions for you. Um, the theme for our holiday special here uh, this year is home for the holidays. And so I want to ask you, um, what does it mean for the residents to have a home with a lock and a door? You know, what does that mean for them to uh, be able to have that home? It means quite a bit to have a lock and a door. And you know, that was our, our original idea is that they would have a safe place to sleep, a safe place to store their belongings, a house of their very own. And so they really appreciate that. But we've now realized that it is so much more than that. It's the family and the community that those 50 people now are of support for each other. And the way they gather in the shared spaces, particularly the, the kitchen and the dining areas that they, you know, over preparing meals together along with the volunteers or, or, or eating together, that's really where those personal connections are made. And, uh, and so that's, that's really what's making this a home is, is the sense of community that you get, uh, not from having your own little house, but from those places where you interact with others. Because there's people that have been living homeless quite often are isolated from everybody else and nobody even wants to make eye contact with them. But here they have regular contact with each other and with volunteers and they realize that the volunteers choose to be there and that they genuinely care about them. And so that I think really gives a lift to the residents. That's great. And, you know, we're so lucky to, uh, to have uh, such a great community here in Waterloo Region. And we're thrilled to hear a little bit more about your community, uh, the better, a better tent city, uh, and a, another wonderful, great community that we have here in our region. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. And my last question to you is, how can our Midtown Radio listeners, how can members of the community support a better tent city? What can we do to help out with the project? That's a that's a always that, that question is always welcome, Matt. Thank you very much. Um, so there are some things that we always need, and I think the top of the list are uh, juice boxes, uh, bottled water, and blankets. Uh, those things are are always always very much in need. Um, financial donations are are welcome as well, and we do offer tax receipts, charitable donation tax receipts. Um, and so I can, I can leave you a link if, if that's helpful to, to direct people to that. Um, we, we've really benefited from a generous community and people like the idea that this is a grassroots initiative. And so um, community donations have been helpful, but as you can imagine, um, moving has, has caused us to incur some more expenses. And so uh, uh, we, we, would, we would certainly appreciate if people can, can find it in their hearts to, to make a financial donation as well. For sure. And uh, for those people who are listening, we will make sure to add that link that Jeff just mentioned on our website, midtownradio.ca. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the program today. We look forward to having you on again to chat more about A Better Tent City. Happy holidays, seasons, greetings, enjoy the winter, and give our best at Midtown Radio to all of those in your community at A Better Tent City. 